I'm Mike Vardy. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productiveconvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android, and Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs, and you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast.
On this episode of the Productivityist Podcast, I talked to Gary Zendersky. He is an author, speaker, teacher, and branding specialist. He's internationally acclaimed as an expert on the subject. He's an award-winning writer. He's often quoted as a marketing expert and a recipient of the Distinguished Instructor Award from the University of California in Irvine, where he teaches branding. He resides in Southern California, and that's where he joins me from today as we talk about the idea of change and getting into what he calls the Zen Zone. More on that as we progress through my conversation with Gary Zendersky here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'm feeling rather Zen today. And uh, so uh, on this episode of the show, we've got Gary Zendersky. Uh, he is the author of Zen Zone, uh, Reaching a State of Positive Change. And of course, we have all the links that we're going to have related to this episode in the show notes. But Gary, thanks for, for joining me today. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Good to be here. So what is, I mean, as we started, I'm like, this is not going to be a typical interview, but I need to know what is Zen Zone? Like what, how do you define that? Because a lot of people are going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to listen to this and go, well, I want to, I want to get a sense of what, what your definition of Zen, especially since it's spelled differently, kind of the way your name is spelled. Um, what, what is that? What does that mean to you? And what should it, and maybe what does it mean to others? What's your goal with it? Right. Okay. So I think I, I should first explain to, to your listeners that, you know, it is S. Z-E-N. And and those are the first four letters of my name. And so I I took a creative license with that. I also have another book called The Book of Zen. Uh, So that's that. But the Zen zone in terms of what is in the book is, is that spot where you kind of are able to determine not only uh, what you want to do, but how you're going to try to get there. And th- those are really two important components of change. The first being the primary, which is you have you can't get what you want until you know what you want. Uh, so the book spends a lot of time with that. But uh, but the Zen Zone is that launch pad area where you get into your head uh, and you've got it. And you're locked in and you want to go. I want to talk about one aspect of change that really puts people off, uh, and and it may you know, kind of compel them to stay where they are and not explore what they really want to do. And uh, it's fear. And you talk about fear and will in this in in the introductory uh, components of the book. Can you dive a little bit into the idea of where fear can uh, play a role in uh, the 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 aspects of change? Yeah, you know, in fact, I I think, to me, fear is the is the biggest uh, setback we all have on everything. And when it comes to change, especially because nobody likes to really change, and yet it's the one constant in the universe. So fear is, you know, us projecting basically an outcome that we have no idea whether it's going to happen or not. So we get afraid of a conclusion like we might fail. We, we choose not to go because we've already figured it out in our head that it's not going to work out. And that just stops us. And it's, it's much easier just to stay in that spot and not move. Uh, unfortunately. So I'm a big proponent of, of willpower and of using that as a catalyst. And I think fear, like you said, it, it, you know, it, it, it keeps people stagnant, but, but I want to talk about when it comes to productivity as well, you've got an entire chapter related to what's called the productivity promise. Now, I mean, I've heard about guarantees and all that stuff. And I talk about productivity a lot. What, what is the productivity promise? What is that, that aspect of, 
of uh, that you're willing to share with people that is that is that guarantee or that promise that is going to help them make those internal changes, you know, and, and use their time better. What, what can we dive into that a little bit? Sure. I, I think, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. I, I don't think I, you know, the book is pretty simple, but one thing about productivity versus, you know, willpower, uh, as, as a point is productivity is action. And, and the thing about, you know, making yourself get more out of life is you gotta, you gotta do more with the life you have. And so the, the stories in that section of the book really dwell on, you know, taking those, those baby steps, even if they're little ones, to get to where you want to go. And that helps you kind of get more done. Uh, it also helps you kind of organize your thinking. And a lot of times we can't get anything accomplished because we've got so many things on our plate that we're distracted by all the other pieces. The most common one is trying to write a letter when you've got your email on, you yeah. know, it's like uh, 10, 10 interruptions every five seconds and there's nobody that's going to have any concentration. So we do it to ourselves. We, we want to stay connected. And, and so those are the kinds of things that inhibit us. And so the promise is really like, okay, let's, let's get some of those distractions out of there. Uh, the guy wrote a great book called uh, the uh, happiness advantage a guy named a uh, professor from Harvard uh, Sean Anker. Yep. And he talks a lot about that. I'm a, I really love his stuff about how people, they do a lot of uh, research and they, they show, they just turn off the email and you'll be 10 times more productive than you were the day before. So it's that kind of stuff that, that I think is of interest. One of the things you dive into, and I've talked about this before, is the idea of harnessing the power of the weekend. I think a lot of people uh, and this might fly in the face of Zen in a lot of ways, because a lot of people, what they want to do is take those weekends and just not do anything or, or they don't want to map them out. They just want to come, go home, take, take the weekend and relax, recharge. And, uh, you know, then they get, then just get back on that wheel come Monday morning. You want to, uh, I want to talk about the idea of, of harnessing the power of your weekends. What do you recommend people do with their, their weekend time so that they can, you know, put that positive change into action? Well, I, I know out there everybody's a little bit different, and if they're listening to something about productivity from you, I, I would guess that they've got a lot to do. And so, if for me, my example is I I work seven days a week, and it's because I love what I do. Uh, it doesn't seem like work to me, and so I tend to just make a list of what I want to accomplish on a, on actually particularly on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Sunday every Sunday, I write a story, but but to answer your question. You, you just if you don't put something down to do at least one thing that you have to get up and go someplace you got to go to the store you got to go to Costco whatever you have to do and and make put that in there and then the other thing I put uh, for me is I call somebody in your family and and get engaged outside of your own weekend because what happens to a lot of folks that I know uh, they, they get home on Friday and they're too tired to do anything. They have dinner and then Saturday morning, they maybe have some errands or some chores, but it's not very structured. And so if, uh, if they could skip one or two, they might. And consequently, those things carry over to the next weekend. And pretty soon you're stressed out when the weekend comes because you've got too much to do. Let's talk about the structure of the book as a whole, because I'm looking at this, you know, and I mean, I've, I've had the chance to read it and you talk about the past the present and the future. And you dedicate chapters to each of those. 
why why are, did you structure the book not only, and I want to dive into like how you've assembled the book with because there's a lot of um a lot of small chunks to this book but I want to talk about these three chapters in particular what was the impetus behind saying okay I want to focus on you know dedicating an entire chapter to the past to the present and to the future well the here I have to tell you how I wrote the book and then you can understand how I ended up doing it that way uh it, it, they weren't written to be in those chapters. They were random stories that came at different times over like three-year period that I wrote it. And when we got it all together, we organized them by theme. And that's how it fell together, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. And it was it was the editor that, that had the idea. And, and actually, I took some of her notes. Uh, I put them at the front end of those chapters to kind of explain you know, why it worked this way. So the, the book is totally random in that sense, but the, thematically they, they, they partner with each other and they build off each other. So that's how it got organized that way. And, and again, the idea of these are really, really short, I would call them morsels. Like every little <laughs> essay is kind of like a morsel or it's divided in like little tactical tips. Again, was that deliberate or is that just kind of how things shake shook out when it was all said and done? Or is that just how you write? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly how I write. So uh, let me go, this whole idea of writing these books was because I started doing some internal emails to my team. I have a marketing consulting firm, uh, just motivational pieces. Now, they liked them and they started sending them to the clients. And pretty soon I had a bunch of people that wanted me to write them. So every Sunday, uh, beginning about seven or eight years ago, I started writing these stories. And at the end of like two or three years, if you write one a week, you got a couple hundred stories. So I started just compiling them to, to put them into book form. That That's all it is. And every Sunday when I write one and I'm still doing it, I don't know what the subject's going to be till I sit down and start to write it. That's what that's what you're probably seeing because you're seeing the randomness of it. Uh, and my style is to be pretty freeform. Right, right. Now let's talk about the Sunday thing because that's rather interesting. There's some consistency there. You write these every single Sunday. How long have you been doing this yeah. for? Uh, I don't know, seven to eight years at least. And are you very much a person that's driven by that routine and ritual of okay, I, these are these are kind of the tentpole activities that I do, because I noticed that in the book, you've got like, you know, the 60 word stories and the snippets, mm-hmm. I guess, is that how you put Zenipits? Is that how we've... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. like a right, lot right. of, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, waypoints along, along the, along the way. Are you very much driven by that sense of having those there so that they kind of act as, um, you know, again, uh, pillars throughout, throughout your process? Yeah, it's it's a little they're little things to kind of help me, little crutches. The sixty word story is a way for me to write something that of might be of interest to me and then kind of play off of it. So it gave me some fodder. But basically I I don't stress out about it too much. I sit down on a Sunday afternoon, usually have a glass of wine and and I'll say, Okay, what did I what, what do I want to say this week? And I'll just start writing. And at the end of a half an hour or so, I, and I find that this is therapy for me, incidentally, mm-hmm. it's not a lot of stress. So I just really love doing it because I know there's people out there that are waiting, not that they're waiting to hear, but often they'll say, you were thinking about me today, I know, because you wrote exactly what I needed to hear. Uh, and that's, that's, again, whatever happened in the week, 
kind of shapes what that story might be. And there's no, there's a couple of times where I did a serial, but most of the time it's just one off. Why? It's interesting because as you, as we talk about this, you've got some consistencies and yet you're fascinated with change. Why, why are you so, why are you fascinated with the idea of change or, or, or positive change or just change in general? Well, that has to do with my career. You know, I, I work in advertising and marketing and, and I'm a branding specialist, which I, which I teach at the University of California as well. And by luck of the draw, somehow over the years, I found that most of the clients that I worked with were going through some kind of transition. They were going through a new product development, brand extension, line extension, something like that. And in that process, there was a, a human component of change. And I was fascinated and I worked with a lot of CEOs and owners who, uh, even though they could see the technical aspects and tactical things that they had to do for their company, there was always an emotional component and a a believability and a faith and sometimes a hope that it would be the right decision. And I ended up doing a lot of coaching with those folks and became really engrossed in change. And and you probably know if you go to Amazon, there's a billion books on change. Uh, and there's all kinds of aspects to it. But for me, it's it's the one constant and it's the one thing that people wrestle with the most. So I'm fascinated by it. And I, that's why I write about it. When it comes to change, and I mean, you go through this in the book, obviously, try to get in, in, in the Zen zone, is like, what are your recommendations when someone is trying to make those changes? Because a lot of people are um, and, and, you know, no matter what time of year it is, but let's let's focus on, let's say, New Year's resolutions. Um, you know, people are are all about let's let's I'm going to make a massive change at this time of year. And, you know, nine times out of 10 or nine point nine times out of 10, uh, they fall flat on their face because it's just either not the right time or maybe, the, again, they don't have a clear vision as to it. So what what's the first thing somebody should do when they want to, uh, you know, incite positive change in their lives? Well, to, to use your example on the resolutions, one of the things that we fail with in resolutions is that we make them uh, kind of so broad sometimes that we don't have a plan with it. Like, I want to lose 30 pounds. Well, you have to have 10 other resolutions to go with that. You know, like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to da-da-da-da. There's a lot of things that add up and lead to that. And, and you just can't will it. Uh, you have to take some time, 28 days is the prescribed plan for your brain to actually start to take uh, what you've been doing and rewire your synapse so they fire in a, in a way that it becomes part of a habit. And, and that's the way change works. You make it a habit and it, and it comes to life, but you've got to be, you've got to hang with it. Uh, and it's the actions. It's not the thinking. It's not the will. It's the actions that you take that changes your behavior that helps you get through that. If you don't change your behavior, you're pretty much trying to do the same thing. It's just not going to happen. And people get tired of trying to will themselves. So they've got to, the mindset has to go along with it. It has to change that. I I like to start with, what do you want to be when you grow up and then work backwards, kind of reverse engineer Mm -hmm. and think with, and think with the end in mind, you know, I'm going to be this kind of person and move towards that because in, in my world, image is destiny. Whatever you put out there, you can become. Okay, let's 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 run with that for a little. What did you want to be when you grew up? 
Oh, that's you know, I I think I I, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be something in entertainment, and so I I gravitated towards actually radio when I got when I was going to school, and and did a lot of stuff and of the disc jockey and things like that, and I liked I liked uh, being on the stage. Uh, it it translated into uh, a lot of other things, and and actually by the time I got out of school, out of college, I I was in marketing and advertising, and I've never changed since then. Uh, and I still get to get on stage and I still do talks. Like I know you do, you, you do, uh, you go out and do uh, concerts or lectures and, and it's exciting to have people in the audience that, uh, you know, are, are listening and paying attention can really get it. And hopefully they get something out of it when they walk away and can use it. And you never really know how many times you can touch a person's life. And that's, that's what I really wanted to be. My personal brand is, is winning perspective. I think there's always a chance. There's always a way to win. And I try to have positive impact with any, any engagement that I have. It is interesting. You know, it, it's, it's notable that I, I did want to do it. I mean, I was doing comedy and I did radio for a while as well, but it's funny because um, ultimately I am performing on stage like you and I get to do these kind of shows and I get to write and I get to be creative, but I get to do it in a way that helps people, not just people that are my audience, but my family, because I mean, let's face it, uh, earning a living as a stand up comic, uh, in Victoria, British Columbia, isn't exactly the most lucrative, uh, <laughs> venture. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> let's talk about awareness a little bit, because I mean, obviously when you're trying to, you know, uh, invite change uh, and, and affect change. Awareness has to be uh, has to be a big part of that. How do you tap into awareness, and how do you suggest others tap into their own self awareness? Yeah, self awareness is uh, you know is it starts with self discovery, and I I think if you start to ask yourself like what okay I like to do it this way I, I use the metaphor of like you're writing a, a book uh, and you're at a chapter. And uh, you're the main character in the book, and you want to change and do something in the book that's different. Okay, well, if you were writing this to be logical and methodical, where would that character have to be in their head in order to be able to make that leap in the next chapter? And you kind of write that story out in your in your mind. It's like what has to happen. Uh, you don't you don't necessarily have to set up every obstacle they're going to face because that'll stop you in your tracks. But you you want to have the mental mindset. What is the character Joe Blow doing on Chapter 8 that's going to make him way different in Chapter 9? And in that bridge, I think, is the awareness. It's the self-awareness and self-discovery of, I can do this. I got this. I, can, I, I really can turn on a switch. And it's really that simple. Uh, Mike, if you change your, your mind, you change your world. And... Uh, it's, we have so much power as humans, uh, we forget that it, we can do it. And, and awareness is, is just knowing that you have the power to get there. And, and one of the things that happens when we get, you know, when we forget that is we get stuck, right? We, we, we don't move anywhere. I mean, you talk about, me, about, you know, in the productivity component, you talk about weightless being, you know, using the, 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 the time that you have and not leaving things waiting. But I want to talk about the idea of getting stuck because that can happen during the, the the process of change. How do you how do you recommend or, or even how do you help people when they get to that part where they've started to make their way through and then they just get stuck and they and they have a, a hard time getting out of that state of stuckness for lack of a better term. Yeah, I 
I think if you have a really good answer for that, I'd love to hear it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, really getting stuck is, I think, part of life. We just run out of gas. Right. I think that's part of it. Uh, and, and sometimes uh, we're, we're, just because we're doing it on our own, if you can rally your family behind you or some colleagues and you have a joint venture or you can somehow collaborate on something, you can create the energy that maybe you can get over that finish line. Because sometimes change is right around the corner. You think it's not happening. You've been trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. But it's, it's that bud that's just ready to pop out of the ground and, and, and blossom that you might just be really close to it if you just hung on there a little bit. And then what happens is the stuckness comes from our lack of belief that we're going to get there. Because faith drives all of this stuff uh, internally. When, and then we think, okay, I'm too tired. I can't make it. And we get some, some doubt. Doubt is stuckness, mm-hmm. if, that's the, if that's a way to say it. Yeah. It's the doubt that says, oh, I can't. I'm just, you know, somebody's going to have to drag me across the finish line because uh, this isn't happening. What about, what about negative change? Because that can happen, too. When you're stuck, it, the, 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 the polarity of, of, of this, of going in the opposite direction, of doing something negative, uh, can rear its ugly head. How do you handle that? How do you, I mean, what are some tactics that people can employ to kind of say, okay, hold on a second. I can feel myself not stuck anymore, but I'm slipping into a place I really don't want to be. Yeah, getting into negativity is is boy, that could be a real death spiral. Uh, I, I think there's two things. Negative change is, is something that maybe happens to you that you couldn't control. Something, you know, a loss, you know, the stock market. I mean, things like that just changed your your life. Uh, you you could the only thing you have left in the face of that is to change your perspective on how you view it. You know, if you go, oh, what was me? I'm going to die. Well, then that's what's going to happen. Uh, you have to be able to kind of re- re-engage and maybe recalibrate. But when you start to slip in the negativity and despair, despair is kind of a too much of a strong word, but you start to see the world in a negative sense, you're not ever going to get anywhere. Everything's going to just drag you down. Uh, and, and believe me, if you think people are out to get you, they'll be lining up. I mm. mean, that's just, that's just the way it goes. So, and that's a tough one. I know some people that have suffered through depression, and it's it's hard. Thankfully, there's medications that people can take now, but uh, it's it's a it's a bad place to be. And uh, and I get a lot of readers that sometimes slip into that. They get this. They get bummed out. Uh, you got to change your attitude. That's the only way to do it. Um, as we get close to wrapping up here, I want to dive a little bit into the idea of, of the fact you Zen zone like a zone is a structure it's a place it's it's a it's a state right um how vital is having a structure to put yourself to allow yourself to get into that state like i know a lot of people when they're dealing with creativity and change is they want freedom a lot you know the freedom to move the freedom to breathe but i'm a big believer that you know frameworks foster freedom uh how important is it you know for you and, and for those that you help to say, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're putting change in place, but here is the framework that you need. Here's, you know, maybe not, a, it's maybe not a 12 step program, but here's, here's some boundaries. Here's some frameworks that you need to put in place so that when stuckness happens, when you start to slide, you're not going to slide or veer as far off course as, as, as you might otherwise. 
Yeah, I, I think people uh, that gets into the hows. Right. Some people are really good at. Uh, I'm I'm not so good at it. Uh, so I like to just stay focused on the goal, and right. I don't really figure out how I'm going to get there. And and that's more of a, a laissez-faire, free-form kind of way to go. But you do have pi- but, but you do have pillars though. Like you do have some. I mean, uh, you have that Sunday writing ritual, and you have. I mean, you have your 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 kind of your staple writing pro. So you do have them there. But they're just a bit. They're not as um, let's say uh, uh, rigid as 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 everyone's going to have their own level of rigidity. I guess that's that's exactly the point. I think there's like four different four basic personality types. I'm a driver type. I'm a goal oriented person, and I have some expressive in me too, like I think you do. Uh, but I think analytical people that really are, are in the process, you know, they build these bridges. They engineer their lives a step at a time mm. with all kinds of framework and all kinds of ways to get there. And it's like climbing up a, a, a wall in a gym, you know, where there's, there's these little things you can latch onto that are all there kind of logically for you to reach. Uh, some folks just want to jump on a trampoline and get to the top, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, so it's different for everybody. You have to find what's, what works for you. And, and the way to know if it works is to think of something that you want to happen. And then make it happen. And however you did it, do it again. Uh, it's it's that I think it's pretty simple. So how do you map out a goal? I mean, which is interesting because we just said, well, that's more of the how. But you obviously have goals. You have you have ideas. You have things you want to see go from, uh, you know, um, idea to reality. When when you sit down, like when you're when you're sitting down, no matter what time of year, I'm not a big book. I'm, I there is a time of year where I think planning is something that people right. do more of rather than less of. But when you like, do you like, how does that ideation to action process look like for you? Well, I, I can answer that question because I still practice this. I try to put things into, into my thinking by uh, trying to visualize them in some ways or, or take a step towards it. Years ago, uh, when I was, uh, we had an advertising firm and marketing firm, that's about 14 of us. And we had offices in, in France and Spain and different places. And my partner spoke five languages and, and fluent French was one of them. And so she always got the best gigs to go to Europe and, and handle the business there. And I just kept on saying to myself, I'm going to do this. So I took a baby step. I took some French lessons and I had taken it in college and I started to practice and we after two weeks of doing this, I mean, swear to God, I got a call from uh, CBS Radio and that we've been advertising on their networks. And they said, you spent a lot of money with us. We're giving you uh, four uh, all expenses paid for a week in the south of France. I go, oh, okay. I'd never been there, but I took, I made that move. And in my world and, in, and what I write about in, in Zen Zone is that if you go towards something, it will come towards you. And it's, it's not my law. It's some law of the universe that happens. And it, that's the power we have as, as being creators, you know, is that we can, we can create anything we want. Nothing happens without an idea or a thought. And it's, that's, we're full of thoughts all the time. We just want to have the right ones. Gary, you know, I'm, after going through this book, having a chance to talk to you, I mean, it, it, what I love about this book is a, it's, short, actionable. It's like, you know, noticing. It's a lot of noticing. I mean, when I was reading this, the the uh, the work of Seth Godin came to mind, you know, short snippets, but very insightful. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a sucker for portmanteaus. 
productivityist is one. So seeing things like enabling and, you know, confidence and things like that, like, all right. Uh, so there's, it's a very, um, this book, Zen Zone, Reaching a State of Positive Change, is an ex, what I would call an ex, a very accessible read. Um, and it's one of those books where you'll sit that where um, you'll, you'll have it in, there's very few books that I, I, I would say that fall into this category in this space, but the one that you would have that you could return to again and again and get something out of it. Um, a, a great example would be uh, outside of this realm is uh, I was watching Arrested Development recently again, you know, that great TV series, which actually takes place in Orange County. Um, and I, I watched it again after a couple years of not watching it. And there were jokes that I missed the first time and the repeat value mm-hmm. was excellent. Uh, this is, and, and the irony is that, you know, um, arrested development has absolutely nothing to do with change other than it's not having any change happen <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, uh, if you get a chance, um, and I highly recommend picking up Zen zone, um, the links will be in the show notes. Gary, thanks so much for joining me today. I really had a great time chatting with you and there was a lot to unpack in this episode. So I encourage everybody to give it another listen because there was a lot of great, great gold in this episode. So thanks Gary for, for, for being part of the show today. Thank you, Mike. It's been my pleasure. I had a blast talking with Gary. There was a lot of great stuff in there, and I hope that you get a chance to check out the show notes. And if you don't get a chance, you should make the chance, make the time to check out the show notes, as well as pick up his book, Zen Zone, and his other book, The Book of Zen, which we talk about more in a bonus episode exclusive to supporters of the podcast. Head over to patreon.com slash productivityist to learn more about that. Because for as little as a dollar a month, you can get bonus content and a whole bunch of other great perks along the way. Again, patreon.com slash productivity is to learn more about that. Now, if you are not able to support the show as a patron, perhaps you could offer a review or a rating in iTunes. So that way we can learn how to make the show better and and it can help people discover the show and all that stuff. Because my producer, John Polster and I, we check out these reviews and uh, we, we, we take that advice. We take that feedback and we use it. So again, if you're not able to support as a patron, I'd love to get a rating or review in iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. I hope you'll be back next week. I really enjoyed having you here and I enjoyed having Gary on the show as well. I enjoy working with John Polstra, my producer who puts together all of these episodes and thanks to my team who helps to put all the show notes and everything together to make this show happen week in and week out. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivities Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.